A couple of announcements for you real quick before we dive into the text. Uh, Pat mentioned this last week, but I did want to remind you, uh, we are running our Christmas co-op. So if you want to make a donation to that, you need to drop your stuff off by uh, December 14th, the Southwood campus office. If you missed announcements last week, uh, Christmas co-op is an opportunity for us to uh, give to the community folks who are really struggling financially. So what we do is we bring... Um, clothes for kids or toys for kids who are under age 12, and then we deeply, deeply discount the price on that. We set up a little store so that they can come in and purchase stuff for their own families at a very discounted price. Then any money we make from sales, we go out and we buy more stuff, and we keep doing that until everything's gone. So great opportunity. If you'd like to help set up the Christmas store, you can contact Mandy O'Donnell. A second announcement I want to remind you, uh, this may seem kind of far in advance, but we are taking applications for our our Anderson mission trip that's open to everybody, singles, families, whoever. It's going to be in El Salvador again this year, July 2nd through the 9th. And I know, again, that's summer and we're thinking Christmas now, but if you want to get in on that trip, you need to kind of start thinking about it now. Terry and Dean Helsher are going to be running that. You can find out information online or you can call the office or just get in touch with uh, Terry and Dean about that. Uh, And then finally... I want you to remember, we are not having services next Sunday morning here. Don't show up. The reason we're not having services is I want to encourage all of you to run in the marathon. <laughs> I, of course, will not be running. I will not even be getting up to cheer you on. But I think it'd be a good idea for you if you want to run. Actually, we're not having services because we, uh, last year we almost got shut down by the marathon. So we're having our 50th celebration in the evening, 6 o'clock at Reed Arena. So please join us for that if you haven't already made plans. Now, we're going to be in Acts again, Acts chapter 20. So if you would turn to Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38 is what we will cover this morning. Everyone leaves a legacy. Legacy is literally what you leave behind. It's your bequeathal. For example, there's a man named Jonathan Jackson. He died in 1880, and he left his fortune to build a special home for cats. There's a description of his legacy. It says, for his part, he left his fortune to be used in the creation of a house for cats, where cats would have bedrooms, a gym, a dining hall, and an auditorium where they could listen to live music. The house would also have a specially designed roof for climbing. I have no idea if his legacy continues to this day, but what a legacy, right? Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, as part of his legacy, he wished that his beard would be shaved off and the hair distributed to all of his friends. Okay, that's a strange legacy, right? Cecil John Rhodes uh, had a country named after him. It's the country of uh, Rhodesia in southern Africa. And as he was at the end of his life and he was contemplating his own legacy, Cecil John Rhodes made this statement, Surely they can't change the name of a country, can they? Now, for those of you who laughed, you know, there is no longer a Rhodesia. It is now Zimbabwe. They changed the name of the country. It doesn't exist any longer. Everyone leaves a legacy. What will your legacy be? Will your legacy be uh, enduring throughout many generations, or will it be just for a moment, or will it be one of my sermon illustrations in the future? What will your legacy be? As I think about my own legacy, I'm pretty sure I won't have a country named after me, Uh, which is okay. I imagine actually that very few people will even remember my name, except a a few close family members for many generations. And you know, I'll say I'm okay with that. Because I can still leave a legacy that lasts by investing in people, 
by investing the things that, that I love, that I believe in, that I value. They may not remember my name, but what's important to me may be carried on in their lives. That's a legacy that endures, a legacy that lasts, and anybody can leave that. You know, whether you, you work at home or you work in an office or your working days are over, you can invest in others deeply so the things that you love and value are carried on for generation after generation after generation. That is the example of the Apostle Paul. That's the legacy that he left. He, he, he wanted to invest in others in such a way that they would invest in others and in turn they would invest in others for generation after generation after generation. The things that Paul believed would in fact endure and last forever. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit at Paul's legacy and the legacy that he was investing in a particular group of people in the city of Ephesus. So I want you to begin by reading with me in Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. Luke writes, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and he called to him the elders of the church. Now, let me uh, set the stage for you again. This is uh, the end of Paul's third missionary journey. Right? Third missionary journey began in the city of Antioch. Remember Paul's home church, his sending church, began in Antioch, and his goal was to spend time and plant the church, the church established as a reproducing church in Ephesus. And so he went to Ephesus and actually spent almost three years there in Ephesus. But he went beyond Ephesus. He made it all the way over into Macedonia and into Greece. And then his intention was to make his way back to Jerusalem. But because he had made such a deep investment in Ephesus, he wanted to see these folks again, and he wanted to impart to them really his final words because he anticipated that this would be the last time he would see them. Every city that he went to, the Spirit told him, you will be bound in chains in Jerusalem. And so from Paul's perspective, he would either spend his life in prison or he would be put to death after he returned to Jerusalem. So this would be the last moment, the final words that he could convey to the church in Ephesus. But he didn't want to spend a long time there. He wanted to make it back to Jerusalem. Even though he knew he was going to suffer there, he had to make it back. And so he stopped and he gave his final words to the leaders of Ephesus. He wanted them to pass on to the people of Ephesus so that they could pass it on to other churches and other believers. These are Paul's last words to Ephesus. What did he say? Read with me verse 18. When they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know that from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. How do you leave a lasting legacy? Uh, Paul would say, live for the glory of God. One of the things that I hope you have seen as we've gone through the book of Acts is that Paul lived all in. 
Paul, Paul held absolutely nothing back from God. Nothing. And Paul would say over and over and over in the churches that he planted, in the churches that he visited, this is how to live life well. Do you want to leave a lasting legacy? Paul will say this, follow my example. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me, literally mimic me, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. I mimic Jesus Christ. Now you should mimic me. How do you want to live in such a way that you can leave a legacy that lasts and endures for generation after generation after generation. Live this way. Apostle Peter would echo the same things to the churches that were in Asia Minor. He said this, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. Nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And that word for example is, is literally... Uh, the mark that is made from a blow, right? Man, when you hit something and a mark is left, a bruise, an an indentation, an, an impact. Peter says, you want to leave a mark. You want to leave a mark that lasts. How do you do that? Live for the glory of God, not for self. Why? Because the glory of God lasts forever. Paul's commitment to the glory of God was demonstrated, I will argue, in three ways. First of all, through his humility. Read with me again, verse 19. He says, the whole time that I was with you, I was serving the Lord with all humility. The word for serving there is the word for slave. I was slaving away in humility. Humility is not placing myself low and pushing myself down, so to speak. Rather, Lifting God up, exalting God, seeing God as God truly is. As a result, seeing others as they truly are. It is exalting God. That's humility. And if uh, humility, in a sense, is the highest of virtues, then, in a sense, the chief of sin is what? Pride, right? Pride is exalting self. Do you want to destroy your legacy? Then live for yourself. You want to destroy your legacy? Then lift yourself up. 1882. Oscar Wilde arrived in the United States of America. And as he was going through customs, a customs official asked him, do you have anything to declare? And he said this, yes, but only my genius. (laughs) Do you have anything to declare? Yes, my genius. That's what I'd like to declare. 15 years later, he was broken, impoverished, and in prison because he had lived for himself. Men and women, what truly endures? glory of God. Over and over and over, the word of God reminds us, very few things last. One of those things is the glory of God. So notice how Paul lived in such a way. Verse 33, he says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. What is Paul referring to? What he's referring to is everywhere that he went as an apostle of Jesus Christ, he was told he had the right to expect that others would support him in this work. But from time to time, there was no support. So what did Paul do? Did he complain? No, he just got to work. As he told the Corinthian believers multiple times, I have sacrificed all of my rights for the sake of the gospel. 
And that men and women is the example of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2. Who, although he existed in the form of God, that is, he was truly and fully God and part of the Godhead, second member of the Trinity, eternally coexisting with the Father and the Spirit, having all of the rights and prerogatives of deity, and yet he chose instead to take on human flesh. As Paul tells us in Philippians, even the form of a bondservant, even a servant, a slave, who would die on behalf of those who he had created. In other words, not grasping his rights of deity, but instead surrendering all of his rights for those whom he had created, those who would in fact reject him. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. Humility means I sacrifice and surrender my rights. Men and women, uh, you are about to enter into the season of uh, Christmas. Uh, And I know for you students, you're probably going, Oh man, exhausting semester. I'm so glad it's done. I get to go home and mom will serve me, (laughs) right? Right. I will go home and and go to bed. Um, I probably won't even bring my laundry into the laundry room. Mom will get my laundry out of the car and she'll take it into the, the laundry room and mom will clean and then mom will wake me up and feed me and then I can go back to sleep and I can rest and I've got a month to sleep, right? For others to serve and serve and serve me because I've worked so hard. And you have. You have. have. Or you could go home and sacrifice your rights to be served. And instead, pick up the mantle of servanthood and serve. Serve your mom, serve your dad, serve your siblings. Surrender your rights. We truly believe that it is God's glory that lasts forever, then we exalt God and we lift Him up. And we look around us and we say, Who can we serve for the glory of God? That's humility. That's humility. Paul's commitment to the glory of God and a legacy through the glory of God was demonstrated in humility. Second, it was demonstrated in his courage. Read with me again, verse 22. He says, Now behold, Bound by the Spirit, chained up, compelled by the Spirit of God. I'm on my way to Jerusalem, and I don't know what will happen there except this. The Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. That's courage. Everywhere that Paul went, the Spirit said to him, You will be bound, you will be prisoned, imprisoned, you will suffer. And what did Paul do? He kept marching on. Even when others said, No, Paul, if the Spirit is saying that, then you need to stop. Agabus came as a prophet and he wrapped himself up in, 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 in uh, these, these bounding cloths and he said, This is what will happen to the man with a belt. This is what will happen to the man who owns this belt. Paul, you will suffer. And Paul said, I embrace that. Paul intentionally chose to suffer for the glory of God. Let me read to you from uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians, chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul says, In imprisonments, in labors, beaten, times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. 
Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all of the churches. You see what Paul is saying? He's saying, I have suffered. And on top of that, I have to worry about all you people. And yet he soldiered on. What courage. Paul intentionally chose to sacrifice and suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew what was coming, and yet he pressed on. Perseverance. Paul didn't quit. When he was shipwrecked, he got out of the water, he dried off, and he got on another boat going to the next city. When he was stoned, he stood up and he walked and he went to the next city. And he continued on and on. After receiving lashes and imprisonment, he would get out of prison, he would continue on until God said, that's enough, Paul, come and be with me. If we really genuinely believe that the glory of God will endure forever and ever and ever and ever, then we want to invest in that. That is our legacy. That's a legacy that lasts. Because you know what, men and women, your name won't last on earth. And my name won't last on earth. Maybe a few of us uh, will become famous or write books or hold office and stories will be written about us. Maybe a few of us, possibly. But then the history of the world will be wrapped up and consumed into the history of the glory of God. And our names, if we have lived for our own names or our reputation or our own pleasure, we will have wasted our legacy. But if we live for the glory of God, our legacy will endure forever. Men and women, that's, that's what character does for us. right? Deep character leaves a, a deep imbibing impact on the lives of others. We live in a, a very quick and fast culture that wants things immediately. But the life that leaves a legacy is this life of deep and abiding character, a life of, of humility and courage and perseverance. Charles Spurgeon once wrote this. He said, a man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. Right? Life of impact is that life of character, life of character shaped when we live for the glory of God and not for ourselves. Second, Paul would say, live for the glory of God and live for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul lived among them for three years. They saw his life. They saw his character. So when he spoke and he spoke the gospel, they listened. Look with me in chapter 20 and verse 20. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. See what he says? He says, every opportunity I had and every venue and every available audience, I spoke the gospel. Why? Because Paul believed that the gospel changes lives. He, he was deeply committed to the proposition because he'd experienced it. Remember he was on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9? God knocked him to the ground and literally turned his life around. He was going to Damascus to persecute and kill Christians. And instead, he ended up in Damascus preaching the very gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel completely and utterly transformed his life. Men and women, I believe that. 
I do this not because it's my job, but because I honestly deeply believe that the truth of God changes lives. I believe God's truth changes lives. My favorite uh, professor at seminary was Howard Hendricks. You know, not surprisingly, because every student that ever had Howard Hendricks, that was that student's favorite prof. Hendricks was amazing because he motivated you to love the word of God. His, his uh, kind of hallmark class was Bible study methods, taught that every year. Bible study methods. And, and you know, what I noticed about his teaching as I, as I went through the class and then reflected on it later was he spent 90% of the time motivating. You know, maybe it was more like 10% content, but 90% motivation that God's word is it's living and true and active and powerful. And if you dig deeply into it, it will change you and, and it will change those that you communicate the word of God to. He once said, I think the reason God has used me is that by his grace, the Holy Spirit has developed in me an incurable confidence in his ability to transform people. How? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and if you believe in him, the dead of your sins is completely removed forever and you have eternal life. And nothing changes a life like that. And I don't know, maybe you're getting tired of me saying it, right? Because we're in the book of Acts. And what's the theme? Well, witness, witness. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So what's been the application? Well, week after week, bear witness. Who are your three people who don't know Jesus Christ? Who are you praying for? Who are you witnessing to? Church, I've been pushing and pushing and pushing. And maybe you say, Brian, okay, stop already. I don't know. Do you get it? Do we get it? Do we believe that the gospel changes lives? If we do, we will speak the word of the gospel courageously. And church, you know, we we just have to beat this drum over and over and over again. We have to challenge ourselves and challenge one another and not get bored with hearing this is the true way to leave a legacy that lasts forever. Speak the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not get bored with hearing it. Let me, let me put this, in, let me put this in, in culturally relevant context for you. Any Aggies in here? There we go. Okay. You ever get tired of saying whoop? There you go. You, bet, you can't say no. You, yeah, you, you have to say no. I never get tired, right? Because you're an Aggie. Never get tired of it. And then, you know, every, uh, gosh, I don't know, five, six times every fall semester, 100,000 of us gather together. And we say the same things over and over and over again, right? Because we're Aggies, right? We hump it, right? And we say the same things over and over. You ever get tired of that? You ever get tired of that? Okay. Now, don't be offended that I'm doing this, sim- this symbol in church. Don't get offended because I know that probably all of you who are Aggies or were former students too, you, 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 you've done this symbol so many times. So don't go, oh, I can't believe he did that, right? Beat, beat the hell out of, right? Beat the hell out of whoever we like the least that particular week. You ever get tired of doing it? No, you, nah, yeah. beat the hell out, right? Whoever, right? Never get tired of saying it. Never, never get tired of it, right? So we certainly shouldn't get tired of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, I need one of my yell leader friends, we need to come up with, you know, a, a, a symbol for preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know, you know, all right? So <laughs> preach the gospel. Hey, right? And never get tired of it. Never get tired. We see each other on the street. All right. 
right? Because this didn't change anybody's life, people. No one. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Absolutely everyone. Praise God, right? So do you want to leave a legacy that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever? You invest in the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. Glory of God, gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I was just kind of making stuff up there. I got sidetracked. All right, so go back. <laughs> Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 25. Paul says this. He says, Now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify you this day. I am innocent of the blood of all men because I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now, why did Paul say this to to these folks? Was he thinking to himself, gosh, I'm about to leave and I hope they don't think poorly of me. No. What was on Paul's mind is I'm about to leave and I want them to carry on. I want them to to embody the things that I value most, even if my name were to be forgotten. Do you remember the, the book of Joshua begins like this? Moses, my servant, is dead. Right? It's not sticky, it's not sappy, it's not sentimental. God just says, Joshua, Moses is dead, now it's your turn. Paul is saying to these leaders in Ephesus, I'm about to be gone and it's your turn. And how do you carry on in such a way that you leave a legacy that lasts forever? Live for the glory of God. Live for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Live for the good of others. Read to me verse 25. Excuse me, verse 28. He says, be on guard yourselves, for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert. Now, this section in particular is addressed to the elders in the church of Ephesus, but but what are elders? Elders are simply those who are to be examples for us and models for us to live life like they live life. And so the exhortation to the elders applies equally to absolutely every single one of us. Absolutely every single one of us. And he says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Live for the good of others. How do we do that? Let me illustrate In 2005, uh, June or July 2005, there was a small town in Turkey, uh, agricultural community. And it was a group of shepherds. And they decided they would take a break and eat their breakfast. So they put the flock out in the field and they were watching the flock graze as they ate their breakfast. And as they looked out and watched the flock, they noticed that one sheep wandered off by itself. And it ran straight toward a cliff. And it went straight over the cliff. And after that one sheep went over the cliff, another followed and went over the cliff, and then three, and four, and then pretty soon hundreds, and by the time they got to the sheep, 1,500 sheep had plunged over the cliff. 450 of them had died immediately. Uh, Others were uh, just crippled and maimed because there was a nice soft pillow below them, right? It was estimated that the community lost $100,000, impoverished the community, because the sheep just walked off the cliff. Have you ever noticed that uh, we are compared to sheep? Why is that? 
You ever felt uncomfortable with that comparison? That we are compared to sheep. We're actually compared to sheep and shepherds. We're called to be both good sheep and good shepherds. A good sheep, don't run off the edge of the cliff. Good shepherds, make sure others don't run off the edge of the cliff. Why? Because sheep need guidance and protection and food and sustenance. They uh, are foolish without guidance and direction. Men and women, God will give you other men and women to shepherd. Live for the glory of God. Live for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Set an example for others and then invest in the lives of others for the good of others. What do the sheep that God gives you need? They need protection. There are enemies all around. What does Paul say here? Uh, Be on guard for yourselves, but also for all the flock. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and even from among your own selves. In other words, there are going to be attacks from outside. There are also going to be attacks from inside. How, how will Satan try to destroy this flock and lead it off the cliff? By lying to our people. What is the, the essence of sin? Well, it's, it's deceit. Temptation is deceit. And so, Shepherds of the flock, what do you need to do for yourselves and for one another? Well, you need to know truth. I mean, you need to know it deeply, not, not superficially. Not when someone else says it, you go, yeah, yeah, that sounds right to me. But rather, truth that is so deeply hidden in your heart that you can help guide and direct and protect others. This word here that he, he talks about for uh, the, the false teaching or the deceitful teaching is, is literally something that is malformed in the hands of a bad craftsman. He said, this is what will creep into the church and destroy the church. And church, we need to recognize and acknowledge that Satan truly, truly wants to destroy our lives. And we need to uh, wake up to the fact that spiritual realities are all around us all of the time. You know, we have struggles in our lives that seem to be social or relational or physical or financial, but you know what they are at their root? They are spiritual. Our adversary is trying to lie to us, and how do we combat lies? We combat lies with truth. And so Paul said to these Ephesian elders, don't you know that every time I was with you, I did not shrink back from declaring to you everything that was profitable, everything that you needed to know to live wisely and well and leave a lasting legacy and not let Satan destroy your life. Live for others now, you shepherds, he says. Men and women, do you want to leave a lasting legacy? Then live for others. Not for self. Live for others. What do the, shep- what do the sheep need? Verse 31, he says, Therefore, again, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Wow. What service, what sacrifice. Um, Paul was crying for three years, it would seem. Is he a big baby? No. What this expresses is, is Paul's passion. Paul saying, look, for three years, I just, I just hammered because, because I believe this. It is so true and it is so important. And you can't, you can't walk away from your relationship with me, Paul would say, hopefully without being deeply impacted by this because it changes your life and it protects your life from Satan's attacks. And so Paul was so deeply passionate. He says, for three years, I was admonishing you and I felt it so deeply. Sometimes I just couldn't help but cry. But I'm just, please believe this. Please believe it. And please apply it. 
Because it's true. And everywhere that Paul went, he poured himself out at this deep level for the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, he said, Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. And we didn't just give you the truth and put the truth in the form of a lecture. We embodied it and we gave you ourselves. Or again, as Professor Hendricks once said, you impress people from a distance, but you impact them up close. It's messy. Sheep are messy and stinky and they get diseases and bugs all over them and got to be cleaned out and things, briars taken out of their wool. And, oh man, that, you know what? That's life though, right? That's just life. And that's how you leave a legacy that really lasts. You know, it's, it's uh, probably not a surprise to many of you. I'm a, I'm a task-oriented kind of person, ironically and completely a people kind of business but I'm a task-oriented person. When I was in college, uh, I had a daytimer. Very few of you even know what a daytimer is. But that was, man, that was, the, that was the time management software of the day, so to speak. Paper calendar, daytimer. I even had a leather binder, man. I was into it because I could manage life, my tasks, my daytimer. And then Stephen Covey came out. So I had the Covey system, bigger binder. Also, leather. I bought a really nice one. Took it everywhere. So I have my task list and my calendar and everything's all together. And then I got a Palm Pilot. Unless you don't even know what a Palm Pilot is. I got it. <laughs> so uh, one of the first personal digital assistants. And it was awesome because you could just tap, tap, tap and check off your task list. And I w- man, I'm, I'm leaving a legacy here. Bam, 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 right? And now I love, I love my phone. I love a smartphone. I can do smart things with it. I got my calendar, I got my contacts, I got my task list, and I've got notes that I can add. And then I can also read my Bible. And I can be doing my tasks, and people think I'm reading my Bible. (laughs) But you know what? No one remembers, including myself, the tasks that I accomplished in college. What's remembered is that the person that I was, what I believed in, the investments I made in the relationships, those are the things that matter. Those are the things that last. You want to make a lasting investment, a life that leaves a legacy forever, these are the things you invest in, right? Glory of God, gospel of Jesus Christ, and the good of others. If I can have the men uh, go back and serve communion. As they're getting prepared, uh, I want to share with you uh, probably one of my all-time favorite quotes about leaving a legacy that lasts. This is from Patrick Henry. He said this, I have now disposed of all my property to my family. There's one thing more I wish I could give them, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. If they had that, that is faith in Jesus Christ, and I had not given them a single shilling, they would have been rich. And if they had not faith in Jesus Christ, and I had given them all the world, they would be poor indeed. Men and women, let's not waste our legacy and let's not waste the one life that God has given us. Jesus Christ is ultimately our perfect example because what did he give us? He gave us his life. So as we are served communion, I want you to give thanks for Jesus and his example and the life that he gave us and also think, what's the legacy that you will leave behind?
So the men would please come forward and serve us. We'll wait till everyone is served, and then we'll take uh, the elements together. Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take the bread together. Same way he took the cup also after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you that you uh, have not only removed the debt of our sin and given us eternal life, you've given us the opportunity to to lead lives that that genuinely matter, lives that... uh, make a deep and abiding impact so that even if our names are forgotten on earth they're not forgotten by you and that you honor the, the faithful investment as we pour our lives out for your honor and your glory for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the good of others and I pray Father that we would, we would be wise stewards of these lives that you have given us for your honor and for your glory Father, may we live for the things that last, not be fooled, deceived, tricked by our adversary who would love to steal the legacy of our lives, destroy the investment that we can make. Instead, Father, we listen to the voice of your spirit. As Apostle Paul said, we do not count our own lives as any value to ourselves so that we may run our course, the race that's set before us, the ministry that you have given to us. I pray, Father, that we would have courage and boldness and humility to walk faithfully with you as we invest our lives in that which lasts. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, remember next Sunday, no service in the morning. We'll be worshiping next Sunday evening at Reed Arena. Also, if there's anything going on in your life, you'd like to pray with anybody, we'll have some folks up front who can pray with you after the service. God bless you. See you next week.